Bibles this morning. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you open up in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1, I want to talk to you so appropriately this morning. Keep the fire burning. Keep the fire burning. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Therefore, verse 6, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. I remind you to stir up the gift of God that is within you. Another translation says fan into flame. Fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen. Isn't that a good word? The New King James says it, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. The, another translation says, fan into flame. Fan into flame. Now, I want you to, to get this imagery. Now, personally, I have always enjoyed having a fireplace. Ask my wife. Even the hint of a little cold, it could be August, if we get a little, little hint of cold weather, the beginning of September, I love to light a fireplace. It's, it's not for energy efficiency, uh, but it's for the snap, the crackle, and the pop. It's the um, year, uh, many years ago, uh, it was probably in the end of August, the beginning of September, in my home, I, I lit a fire and, uh, in my fireplace. And I look out the window and I see two rest fire trucks coming in front of my house. So I looked through the window and I was wondering where they were going and they came, the firemen came in my backyard. They were looking around my house. One of my neighbors, God bless her soul, <laughs> she thought that I was lighting a fire outside and I guess that's illegal in some towns. So she called the firemen on me and the firemen are looking around, and I went out. I said, can I help you, sir? He said, oh, yeah, we're looking for... I said, I said, I just lit a fire in my house. They said, oh, we are so sorry, but one of your neighbors, and, and he, he, he just kind of put his head down and kind of put his eye in that direction. And, and I knew, I already knew who it was. Um, she thought I was lighting a fire outside. It was in my fireplace, so it was all good. It was all good. Um, but but I, I love I love lighting fires and uh, and my wife helps my obsession. Um, she you know you know those cardboard boxes from Amazon, man those burn good in a fireplace. And my wife every time I turn around there's a, there's someone at the door and it's an Amazon and it's boxes and please pray for my wife. I look I look at my credit card it's all Amazon 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 Amazon. Um, but those boxes are great for a fire. I'm telling you, real good in a fireplace. Fires are significant in the Bible. Fires are significant in the Bible. Leviticus 6.13, it says, A perpetual fire shall burn on the altar. It shall never go out. You see, the fire or fire in the Bible is a symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit and of the power of God. Elijah called down fire in 1 Kings chapter 18. He declared, the God who answers by fire, 
He is God. Acts chapter 2, verse 3, Then there appeared on them divided tongues as of fire and sat on each of them. The fire of God, again, symbolizing the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 12, it says that we ought to be fervent in spirit. Another translation says we ought to always be on fire. You must fan a flame into a fire. You know, when it says uh, uh, fan, it says stir up the gift of God. Again, in other translations, it says, it, it really, the original language better uh, communicates it. It's to, it's to really fan the flame. It's, it's, it's an image of, you know, just a, a little fire, a, a flicker of a flame that is about to go out. And, and, and the command or the exhortation is, to, to, to stir it up, to fan it into flame, to get it to, uh, to be fire, uh, burning in a full force. You see, fire uh, uh, burns out naturally. A fire, if it's not fed, if it's not stirred, if it's not fanned into a flame, will go out. And that's true in the natural, but it's also true in the spiritual. Isn't that so? We could be inspired like we are this morning and, and, and the fire of God can be stirred up in us spiritually. Something could, could be ignited in us and then we leave church and what happens? Life. Life happens. You know, it's like, it's like the youth, right? Some of you youth could identify, youth leaders, youth, youth pastors. You go to a youth conference, right? And it's exciting. You have 1,000, 1,200, 1,500 youth excited, shouting, praising God. And, and, and in that flow and in that fire, it's easy to get excited and to participate. But then the youth come back and what happens? Just kind of get back into school and schedule and normal routine. But what's so powerful about what our youth pastors are, are a part of is that we get every month to fan that flame. Every month to encourage that fire, to stir that up. And we need it because there is an opposition in our lives that tries to put that fire out. Women of Judah. We get excited, uh, uh, have a, an encounter with God, get on fire. And then what happens? Back to the normal, everyday life and everyday challenges. A church could have a, a great speaker, a guest speaker, an evangelist, come in with a prophetic uh, ministry. You get uplifted. There's a sense and, 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 and a feel of the power of the Holy Spirit. And you get on fire for God. And then again, a few weeks go back and we kind of settle. We settle into a routine. This is what happened we're going to be true to the scriptures. We're going to get into the word of God this morning. Amen. Turn to the person next to you. Say, I hope you have your Bible. See, Timothy had a call of God upon his life that in the plan and the purpose of God, Paul was looking to Timothy to carry on the ministry after Timothy was gone. You see, 2 Timothy is Paul's last correspondence, his last letter that he would write. This is, some commentators say, it is his last will and testament. And so he's communicating, this is, this is it. He's going, uh, you know, he's going off, off the grid. No more Facebook posts for, from, from Paul. No more 
uh, Twitter, no more uh, TikTok, no more uh, Instagram, none of that. This is it. This is his last post. It's all done. So how many of you know it's going to be significant? He's not going to post on Facebook what his last meal was. He's not going to post anything trivial. It's going to be something significant. He's in a Roman prison. He's been in prison before. He's been in a prison in Caesarea. He's been in a prison in Jerusalem. He's been in a prison, but this one is different. This is his last imprisonment. He's in Rome, and this prison is, is no joke. This is, this is serious. This isn't medium security, minimum, minimum security. It isn't even maximum security in our country. I have been to a place in Rome, Italy, where they believe was the prison that Paul was in prison in. It is literally a hole in the ground. It is an underground prison system whereby they would just drop down food. And a lot of times the, the prisoners would not be able to eat. They would have, they would have nothing unless a family, a friend, uh, somebody they knew brought it to them. So, so this is where Paul is at. He's on death row. He knows it, and Timothy knows it. Timothy, or Paul to Timothy, this is his spiritual father. This, uh, you, you read 2 Timothy, you read any commentaries, you study it, you'll find that 2 Timothy is the most personal and most intimate of Paul's writings. He, he emotes uh, really deep emotions here. He's sharing with Timothy, and he starts off, and he writes in 2 Timothy chapter, two, ver, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, to Timothy, my beloved son. Now, in the original language, commentators confirm this over and over again, the original language, he's really saying, my beloved child. This is an enduring, uh, endearing term, to, to Timothy. This is him pouring out his heart, sharing with his beloved child, his beloved son in the faith, because Paul is the spiritual father. And he tells Timothy, he said, I want you to fan into flame the fire of God in you. Now understand, Timothy is going to be Paul's successor. He's, going to, he, he's pastoring a church in Ephesus. He's going to continue on to the best of his abilities, giftings and anointings, the ministry that Paul carried on. Imagine trying to uh, walk in the footsteps of Paul the Apostle. Imagine trying to follow after him. But you know what? God doesn't call us to be somebody else. He calls us to run our own race, to do what he's called us to do, and to be the best that we can be at it, and not to compare ourselves with other people. So here we have Timothy. But, but, but the, what the scriptures are, are intimating, what Paul is saying is that the fire in Timothy has grown dim, or the or the flame has, has come down to just a little flicker. You see, there was a fire that once burned in the heart of Timothy. He was once ablaze with the zeal for the ministry and for the work of God. But you've got to understand, he's at a place now that, that, that burning and shining fire, that, that fire that was burning in a blaze for the glory of God, now has, has come to just a little flicker and it's in danger of becoming a smoldering ember and it's ready to go out. So the question is, why? You have to understand what Timothy is going through. Can we be real this morning? 
Turn to the person next to you. Say, be real. You know, when we come to church, we're, we're, we're not usually real. Right? We put on our, our religious, our religiosity or a nice smile. I'm telling you, you know, people with their children, their children could be climbing the wall. You walk by them, God bless you, pastor. But when they get in the parking lot, when they get in their car, they'll say things they ought not to say. They'll act certain ways because, because we tend to, in the church, put on a certain image. Come on, we've got to be real. We've got to be who we are all the time, and we need to be sanctified, and we need to become more like Jesus. Turn next to you say, you need to be real? You need to be really like Jesus. Amen. But we have to look at the scriptures, and we have to understand what, what happened to Timothy. Why did that fire burn low? Why did that flame, that, that burning and shining light become so dim? See, because for Timothy, Paul was his spiritual father. It, it, the scriptures tell us that Timothy had a father, but he didn't seem to be in the picture, and, and he wasn't a believer. So for Timothy, it's Paul, you're leaving me. I'm not going to see you again. You mean so much to me. You've been a mentor. You've been a father. You've been, you've been one that has stood with me and poured into me and loved me and cared for me. And now you're leaving. Paul also, or Timothy also struggled with, with his health. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 23, it says his frequent infirmities. He struggled with some infirmities. He struggled with some health issues. There were also false teachers that were creeping into the church that he was pastoring. A true shepherd loves the sheep and is zealous for the work of God. And when, it, when, when this false teaching, when this division, when there's things that are tearing down the work of God, it affects the, per, the pastor deeply. And here is Timothy. He, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.17 that their message was spreading like cancer. What was this? This was false doctrine. This was erroneous teaching. Not only that, Timothy is being disrespected and he's being looked down upon. He's actually being despised. How do we know that? 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul says, let no man look down on you. Let no man despise you because you're young. My Lord, it's, ama it's amazing what church people will do to you. But I thank God we have a sanctified church. We have a different church. Amen. Amen or oh me. There are, and, and not only that, but apostasy is rising throughout the land. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul saying, perilous times are coming. And here is Timothy. He's, he's struggling with, he's battling with, he's carrying this load. And, and, and it's just happening. It, it, it's affecting him spiritually. Come on, don't you be so spiritual and say, that'll never happen to me or that doesn't happen to me. It happened to Timothy. Paul had to challenge him. You see, it's, it's as if Paul is answering a brokenhearted plea of his disciple, of his, his, his young child in the faith, Timothy, who's saying, what can I do? How do I deal with this? Paul says, you know what you need to do, Timothy? He said, I remind you, I remind you to stir up to fan and to flame the gift of God 
that is within you. Timothy, you need to stir it up. Timothy, you need to fan that, that flickering wick of a, of, a, of a smoldering ember. You need to fan it into flame. You need to keep the fire burning. Come on, turn to the person next to you. Say, keep the fire burning. You see, Timothy had let it burn low. That's reality. I said, that's reality. It, he... He had justifiable reasons, as I already enumerated. But you know what I love about God's word? You know what I love about the truth for every issue, for every question, of you, even before humanity is able to even articulate the question, God has already provided an answer in his word. Isaiah 42 this is a prophecy. I'm going to read it. This is one of the messianic prophecies. Uh, um, uh, songs of Isaiah, there are several of them. They're prophetic in, in that they speak of the coming of Jesus in his ministry. Look at, look at Isaiah 42, behold my servant whom I uphold. This is, again, prophetically speaking of Jesus. My elect one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Now look at verse three. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench. There it is. Those are prophetic of Jesus. They were fulfilled in Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. Turn there with me because I want you to see it in the word of God. Matthew 12, verse 20. The word of God says, let me back up. Verse 15 of chapter 12, Matthew, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there and a great multitude followed him and he healed them. And he warned them not to make him known that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by who? Isaiah the prophet. Where? Isaiah 42, I read it. And behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom I am well pleased. Verse 20, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not quench. What is that saying? That imagery again is the imagery of, of, a, of a, a little fire about to go out, a, a wick on a candle that, that, that is about to, 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 it's just smoldering. It's about to go out. And you know what God says? You know what Jesus in his ministry to you and I, in the reality of life, when our fire burns low, when our wick is just a smoldering little charred wick that's about to go out, you know what God does? He won't snuff it out. Jesus knows our weakness. Jesus knows us by nature. He knows us by name. He knows everything about it, so, about us. So a smoldering wick, he will not quench. What does that mean? It means he will take even, even a little bit and he will cultivate it. He will encourage it. His spirit will blow upon it. What I learned about starting a fire is you need to open up the flue. That's, that's the pipe. That's the, the chimney. You need to open up that little mechanism because a fire needs ear. A fire needs an airflow. 
And you see, the Holy Spirit is that ear flow in our life. The Holy Spirit is what breathes on us when we're about to, to, to just burn low and burn out and give in and give up, and God's Spirit breathes life into us, cultivates that fire. The Holy Spirit moves just like he did this morning. That's why it's important that we press in, that we say, God, I'm here. I'm, I'm in a mood of receptivity. God, I want you to touch me. God, I need you to touch me. I need you to stir up in me the gift of God what a wonderful promise because the reality is life is challenging there is sickness there is emotional distress there are family problems can I can I just get a show of hands is there anyone that doesn't have a family problem raise your hand hello turn to the person next to you say you don't want to know about my family Work-related stress, church conflict, hello, oh, I don't have any problems, you're probably not doing anything in the church, no, I have no problems with anybody, well, you need to get, we need to sign you up to lead a ministry, it's easy to just walk in, hallelujah, praise the Lord, God bless you, hug people, smile at them. Yeah, sure, you're not, you're not, there's no, there's no, nothing to bring forth conflict. You're not, you're not leading anything, you're not having to correct anything, you're not having to challenge anything. Sure, you just, oh yeah, praise the Lord, I come to, I'm the head and not the tail. Get off your tail and use your head and do something in ministry, do something in life. You see... The onslaught of the world, the attack of the enemy, the weakness of our human nature, all work as a wet blanket to try to snuff out the fire of God in our lives. But thank God, Jesus will not quench. He will not extinguish our flickering light, but will cultivate it, encourage it, breathe upon it, let the life-giving flow of the Holy Spirit touch us. Come on, somebody say amen. Let the fire burn again in your life. The fire will burn again in your life in Jesus' name. Let me just bring this all together as I, I begin to close. Turn to the person next to you say, he didn't say he was closing. He said he's beginning to close. What did, what did Paul tell him now? Paul said, what did he say in verse 6? Therefore, I remind you. Say it with me. Therefore, I remind you. See, we need reminders of what's really important. In 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, three times in, in those few verses, there is the mention of remind. Remind. He says, I want to remind you always of these things, though you know them. Paul, Peter is saying, I want to remind you of these things always, even though you know them. Why? Why is that true? Because it's not that we literally forget or we can't remember but it's that we fail to be impacted by it. We fail. Have, have you ever talked to somebody and they're there, but they're not there? Yes. You know, sometimes, i got to be honest, my wife is talking to me, and i got three different things on my mind. And, and, and I tell her, honey, you got to make sure I'm locked in because I'm thinking of three different things. And she'll tell me something, and later she said, I, already, I told you that. I said, you did? And I take for granted she's telling me the truth. 
but you know what? I heard the words, but I didn't process them. I, I, I was distracted. I was listening and thinking. And isn't it so true? We could come into church and we could be distracted by, by, by things that are going on in our world and in our life and on our cell phone. And we could be distracted by so many things and we miss the all-empowering word of God. We get so inundated with information that we fail to be impacted by what is important, what is true. Paul said, I want to remind you of what is important. What did he say? Look at verse 5. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwell first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you. What is Timothy, what is Paul telling Timothy? He said, I want to remind you that you have a genuine faith. It started with your grandmother. It was passed on to your mother. But it came to you. There was a spiritual lineage. There is a spiritual lineage. Don't, listen young people, I know some of you, you're, you're, you're brought to church because you have to come to church. I know some of you might regret that when you become teenagers, but when you grow up, when you have your own encounter with God, you will thank God for the scriptures you learn. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You'll thank God for Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him be long they are weak but he is strong hallelujah said said this I want to remind you that there was a faith in your grandmother there was a faith in your mother and I'm persuaded is in you Timothy you have a godly heritage you know personally I didn't grow up in a household of faith but you know what God has given me a godly heritage Personally, I carry a great burden of responsibility upon my shoulders because of that weight of what has been imparted to me, what it, the things that have impacted my life, places I've been, atmospheres where there has been powerful moves of the Holy Spirit, anointings. Revival hotspots in different places of the world. Bible college of men and women who, who gave their life for the gospel and saw the power of God. Miracles and supernatural demonstrations of God. And, and I've been in that atmosphere. And it's marked me. It's branded me for life. Places, atmospheres, people with spiritual gifts and anointings and impartations and, and, and experiences were imparted to me and I, I carry the weight and the burden that I realize that, that I have a gift and, 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 and though the fire burns low, persecution, problems, church issues and pressures and, and, and all kinds of weaknesses the devil tries to use to put a wet blanket on that. But I bear responsibility you bear a responsibility, all that God has imparted to you, all that you have been blessed with. You know, we are such a blessed people. Oh my God, help us, deliver us from this spirit of entitlement that's in this world. My God, people just think that, that the government is going to print checks for you to lay home and on your couch, wait until you become something. That the church has just got that. Everything's going to be handed to you. we got to thank God for salvation. That Jesus hung, bled, and shed his blood on K. 
Calvary for my sins. You've got something to be grateful for this morning. Something to be thankful for today. Something to remember that God will stir it up, that the fire of God will burn in your spirit this morning. Remember, Paul says, I want you to remember to fan in the flame the gift of God which is on you, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You see, Paul had laid his hands on Timothy along with the presbytery, the spiritual authority and leadership in the church. And you see what Paul was saying, listen, you've got a spiritual lineage, lineage through your grandmother and your mother, but you also have a spiritual lineage through me. You see, when Paul laid his hands on him, what God had done in Paul was now being transformed to Timothy or transmitted or imparted. Some of you are wondering about that, but my Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2, that there is a doctrine of the laying on of hands. Come on now. You see, something can be imparted. That's why he said, I want you to remember. I want you to remember who laid his hands on you. When I think personally who laid hands on me from, from R.W. Schambach to, to Claudio Frazen to Dr. Leonard Hero to Sister Mary Campbell Wilson to Reinhard Bonnke to, to Michael Brown to Nathan Morris to Dr. Wins. So many people laid hands on me. Oh God, what a burden, what a responsibility. I need to, I need to fan in the flame. I need to remember that. I need to remember that there's a dispensation, there's an impartation, there's something in my life. You need to remember that today. You need to understand when you come in this church, you come into an, an anointing of people who have been in the presence of God, people who love God, who worship God, who want the move of God. You come under an anointing, you come under an umbrella. You see, Timothy, you had a grandmother, you had a mother, you had a spiritual father who spoke into your life. See, it's important. I want you to remember something. You have a history. You have a history. Places you've been, people you've been with, experiences you've had, education you've gained. You have a history. And your history, your spiritual history, unlocks your future. Come on, that's a good one. The spiritual history unlocks your future it informs your future what God has done in your life is a sign and an indication of what he wants you to be what he wants you to do for others you see that's why it's critical that you watch that you discern who you allow to speak into it's important who you allow to pray over you because there is something of a transference where attitudes, mentality, spirits, some people I can just tell, being with them a few minutes, I can tell who they have been with. And it isn't Jesus. I can tell by the, the way they talk, the attitude, the, the sayings, and I say, they have been with so-and-so. You see, if you allow people in your life that are critical that are gossipers, that are negative. Come on, you can breathe a sigh of relief. Don't look so serious. I'm not talking about you. Maybe not. But you see, 
if you allow people who are critical, like I, I remember I've told people, say, they listen to certain preachers or they listen to certain people on YouTube and, and they might have an anointing, but, but there's something that comes through that message. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a hate. There's an there's a, there's a attitude. There's even a, uh, sometimes a little vulgarity. And I said, don't drink that milk in. Don't, don't, get, don't take that in your spirit. Turn to the person next to you and say, boy, I, I, didn't, I didn't give enough in the offering for this message. <laughs> I have some friends in ministry that I have to, out of state, out of state, you don't know who they are. They can be a little critical and negative and talk about other ministries. And I have to limit my time. Because I get off the phone and I kind, of, I kind of start thinking negative and critical. Why? Because that gets in you. And you say, well, they're a man of God. They're a good guy. Well, and No, 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 no. We've got to be discerning. Others speak, speak in life. They speak encouragement. They speak hope and expectancy. I literally have on my phone, I can go in my messages and I delete. I, voicemail I'm good at. Email, I have 8,651 emails. Does anybody have thousands of emails? Anybody like me? You know, you think you're going to answer that email. You think you're going to need that email. My wife, she's got them all deleted. I'm just like, I got 8,000, no word of exaggeration. I save everything. That's a sickness, but God, pray for me. But I, but I, only, have one, I only have one voicemail. It's from October 21st, 2000. In 21. So it's a year and a half, but I'm going to save it. You know why? Because every once in a while, I need to listen to what this man of God said from out of state. He spoke into my life at a difficult, challenging time. God gave him a word. God gave him discernment. God gave him an encouragement to me that, 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 that bolstered me, that gave me an inner fortitude that helped me to, to look at things a little differently. You see, because it stirred up something in me, it spoke of greatness. It reminded me who I am in God. He helped me to see myself as God sees me. And see, that was what Paul was telling Timothy. He was reminding him of who he was in God's eyes. Aren't you glad God doesn't see you like other people see you? Oh, I thought I'd have a better amen than that. Aren't you glad God doesn't see you as you see you? That's why we need to remember, and I'm, I'm closing now. We need to remember. Why? Because it will deliver you from negligence. You know what negligence is? A failure to use proper care. That's, that's the Webster Dection, uh, definition. Negligence is the failure to use proper care. You see, we need to care for the gifts that God has given us. Turn to the person next to you say, God has given you a gift. You say, Pastor, now you're going beyond what the word says. No, I'm not. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, as each one has received a gift, as each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the grace of God. Everyone, when you were born again, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, repented of your sin, put your faith in Christ, you received a gift, a seed in you of greatness, a seed in you for you but for others. 
So everyone has a gift, and, 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 and the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. That's why pray for me. Pray for your leadership. Pray for godly men and women in this church that love God. We have people that, 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 that are mentors, that are fathers, that are mothers to younger generation, to other people. They're good people. They're godly people. You know, you know sometimes we, we get so spiritual, and times we say stupid stuff. Especially when we're trying to, you know, acknowledge somebody and saying he's a man of God and all. Oh, our pastor's a good man. And then we say, well, you know, he's not perfect. Oh, boy, man, you must have got that revelation after 40 days of prayer and fasting. Can we just get over that? We already know nobody's perfect. And just, just, just don't qualify your, your, your words of encouragement or your compliment. Don't qualify it by saying he's not, oh, Janice is such a great person. But, you know, she's not perfect. Does, does that sound like an encouragement? No, no. She's a great person. She's a godly woman. She loves God, period. Stupid, stupid spiritual stuff say. I'm just trying, to, just trying to cast out some demons this morning. Amen. The Bible says, and if we have the worship team, that'll help me to close. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. You see, you're going to answer to God for putting your gift in an environment that'll kill it. You're going to answer to God for putting your gift in an environment that will kill it. You and I will answer to God for putting our gifts in relationships that will kill it. We're to love everybody, but it don't mean we yoke, yoke together with them. We're to love everybody, but we don't let everybody and anybody just speak into our life. I don't care how spiritual they, they sound. You know, the devil sounds pretty spiritual. He quoted scripture to Jesus. But we got to be discerning. we got to be discerning this morning. Would you stand together with me?